You're listening to the Hello Awesome podcast, and this is episode number 68. Hey guys, I am so excited that you're back here on the podcast with me because this message today will change your life. When I first came to God, I was at the tender age of 22. And so youth and hyphen have always had a special place in my heart. If you are a young person in the church trying your best, Shyla Mitchell has an encouraging word for you today. In this episode, Shyla and I dive into how we can empower the next generation of believers, why young people matter to the church and to the world, and Shyla is led to deliver a powerful message for anyone between the ages of 13 and 25. Honestly, this message will inspire anybody at any age, but she is specifically talking to all the young people today. So if you're in high school, college, or you're just trying to figure it out as a young adult, this episode is specifically for you. We are living in difficult times, but it's important to be encouraged and connected with the body of Christ. And this is hopefully something that's going to help you today. God is not done with you yet, and he has a plan for your life so that you can set a fire to this world for him. Let's get right into this incredible discussion. Here is episode number 68 that I'm calling Why Young People Matter with Shyla Mitchell. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. Summer is upon us and what better way to celebrate than with some sweet deals. I have an amazing group of business ladies who have sponsored the podcast and they have a treat just for Hello Awesome listeners. My friend Chantel, a two-time podcast guest, runs the very successful modest fashion clothing brand, Nuggles. Aiming to always provide beautiful, comfortable, and affordable apparel, Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style. You don't have to break the bank or sacrifice that morning latte when you shop with Nuggles. In fact, Hello Awesome listeners can use the exclusive 10% off discount code by using Hello Awesome 10 during checkout. Head to nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S to shop high quality products to add to your modest wardrobe right now. Do you find yourself struggling to find a durable scrunchie that's both functional and cute? Seriously, look no further than So Vita. Guys, I am not lying when I say that I use Lucy's scrunchies every single day and my hair reaches behind my knees. So Vita is a handmade shop with beautiful and fun scrunchies, headbands, and more. Use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your order right now at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A dot com. Go grab a few goodies this summer and keep your hair off your neck with style. Be sure to also follow Lucy on Instagram at Sovita. Are you looking for classic modest pieces for your summer wardrobe? My girl Mandy over at Blue Thistle Taylor has timeless dresses, skirts, and handbags. Last year, it was such a treat to meet Mandy during General Conference in Indiana, and I truly feel like we're soul sisters. 
I love her passion for simplistic modesty, and you will too. Just use our special code, HelloAwesome, for 20% off your order on BlueThistleTaylor.com. That's B-L-U-T-H-I-S-T-L-E-T-A-I-L-L-U-E-R.com. Also give her a follow on Instagram at BlueThistleTaylor. I don't know about you, but I struggle to find quality skincare products with simple ingredients that don't irritate my skin, especially in these hot summer months. While Rachel over at Oneness Essentials makes handmade soap and body products that not only look and smell beautiful, but they're perfect for sensitive skin like mine. I seriously can't wait to try her cocoa cream lotion. It sounds like it smells amazing. Use code HelloAwesome for 15% off your order when you shop at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z.com. Make sure to also follow Oneness Soap Biz on Instagram for gorgeous product photos and updated business info. So when I think of summer, I think of hanging out by the shore and strolling along little shops browsing at the adorable clothing that I just can't afford. Can you relate? Well, you don't have to worry about that with Dress Like an Angel. Felicia is a pastor's wife and mama of two beautiful daughters who has been selling clothing for 30 years now. Wow, this woman of God is the ultimate mama boss. Felicia's shop, Dress Like an Angel, features stunning dresses, skirts, extenders, layered tops, and so much more in a variety of styles while highlighting the beauty of modesty. She even carries items for young girls like her best-selling lace tights. If you live near Starks, Louisiana, stop by their brick and mortar store that's filled with adorable, gorgeous clothing. Or use our exclusive discount code HelloAwesome for 10% off your order at dresslikeanangel.com. Keep up with their huge inventory selection and future sales by following Dress Like an Angel on Instagram. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I have a brand new guest here with me today. I am so very excited for Shyla Mitchell to be here with me Shyla, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I already feel like I know you. We were chatting before we even started recording and we just clicked and I love that, how God just crossed uh, the paths of two completely different individuals and we just connect. And I just want to thank you for being here. And if you could just take a minute to share with us who you are and what you do. Thank you so much, JC, for having me. I'm super excited about this opportunity to share my heart. I'm passionate about youth ministry. Uh, my name is Shyla Mitchell. Um, my husband and I are youth pastors at Christian Life Center, and that is in sunny and beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I don't know how. I have never visited South Carolina yet, but I definitely want to go there. And every time you post a picture of it being sunny <laughs> over there, I try not to be jealous because I live in cold New England. <laughs> But I just love all of the pictures that you share when you're outside and it's sunny. And I just have to say that it just looks gorgeous. Everyone needs to come visit. I think Myrtle Beach is the best place in the world. And yes, I am 100% biased, but I do envy your New England Falls. We do not get leaves that change colors down here. So you also have, I have return envy <laughs> for you. Yeah, it definitely is pretty. So yeah, like you said, um, 
I really wanted to talk to you about working with the youth. And for me personally, as someone who became saved at the age of 22, which is fairly young, one of my first memories is being part of the youth class and realizing that even at 22, I felt a little old in there. But I needed it so much because there were a lot of principles that I needed to be taught as a new convert and especially as a young person in their 20s. And I just loved being part of the youth and just that group and that atmosphere. And um, so that demographic is very close to my heart. Can you summarize how you got started working in youth ministry? I think that everybody should be involved in Sunday school youth ministry at some point in their life, whether you're six or 60, because there are so many foundational principles that you learn in those Sunday school classes that you take for granted when you get to an older age. I grew up in church. My parents uh, started a church in Myrtle Beach when I was six years old. They're church planters. And uh, growing up, a home missions church, didn't have any help. I was always involved in some aspect of youth ministry, mostly out of necessity rather than desire. Um, we, at this point, we've had a, our church for over 20 years now, and um, we have a very young church. Uh, less than 10 people probably in our whole church are over the age of 60, and most of our people are in their 20s. And so this has given us a very exciting and vibrant church culture. Um, and of course, I started off, like most of us do, in nursery, and then I moved up to study school, and then I went on to youth ministry and teen class, and then I got involved in hyphen ministry, and then I went to Bible college, and my husband, he pulled the wool over my eyes, and he snagged me, and we got married, and he has a very strong call to youth ministry. He always has, and so I just kind of, you know, I, I was the wife I needed to be, and I, I supported his youth ministry, and I thought, this is what he wants to do, so I'm going to do this with him, not really having maybe a focused passion for youth ministry. My head was always more in music ministry. And then it just caught me. The kids caught me and my, my hyphen and my teenagers, they just caught me by the throat. My husband and I, we, um, we are waiting a few years to have children, mostly so we can enjoy each other, but also because I feel like we already have kids. Um, I'm, I'm invested in them. We go to their games. We pick them up from school and we have youth events all the time. And these are my children. And so um, I got, I guess you could say I got involved mostly by accident, what I thought was accident. But now I know that God was sending me exactly where I needed to be the entire time. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really incredible. And what a beautiful testimony to just obedience and um, support for our spouses and just trying yeah. to help them live out their calling. And th through helping him live out his calling, God placed uh, your calling in your life, or at least revealed your calling to you. And I love that. Exactly. I think that's so important for us to, to realize that is sometimes husbands and wife may not have the same calling and that's okay. I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. And, and that's totally fine. But I love how for you, just your heart of obedience and saying, Lord, I don't, I don't feel called to this right now, but he feels called to this. So I'm going to support mm -hmm. him. And then through that, and then you guys coming together as a team, there was a fire that was lit inside of you. And now together you mm -hmm. guys can kind of set everything ablaze. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> now I wanted to really talk to you about when we look at this country right now, obviously we know we both live in America. I know I have listeners who mm -hmm. are not, but here in America, things obviously are a little bit um, just challenging sometimes, especially when you are a young person who claims to be a Christian and 
I wanted to know what was one thing that you can't stress enough that's really important for us to be teaching our young people in the church? I think the most important thing we can stress to our young people is that that they don't have much time left, that this is it. And I, I don't say that in a way to be spooky or scary or hellfire and brimstone, but I believe with all of my heart that we will see the coming of the Lord. We'll see God come back. And this isn't the time to play around. It's not the time to go on autopilot and get distracted by, by silly things, things that don't really matter in the eternal scope. Thing, you know, I, I understand the allure of things like social media and Netflix and fame and fortune. I get it just as much as the next person does, but it has absolutely no divine consequence. When you get to heaven, it's going to be the sum of your actions here on earth. It's going to be your kingdom work that God's going to look at, not how many followers you had, not the kind of impact that you think you had becoming famous or making money. And so I think I would just stress to our young people that we've got to focus, we've got to hone in, we've got to get on to what's important and what we're supposed to be doing in this time, in this generation. And in that vein, a young person can have as much of an impact as they want to have. Our world and our churches are primed for a youth-led revival. They're primed for a generation to rise up and realize that they were called and they were set apart, that they are a royal priesthood and they should be having visions and dreaming dreams. They should be leading the way into the revival that God has prepared for us. And so I guess I, I would stress that we have to focus. We have to get our minds together and unify in the fact that this is it. And it's, it's time to set the world on fire. It's time to change the world. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Amen. I really do feel that way as well. Our church actually is the total opposite of your church. Our church is mostly uh, elderly, or I should say older, the older generation. Um, not to offend my church members who listen. I love you guys. Our church is amazing. And uh, we set a lot of principles and there's a lot of roots going down of the foundation for the next generation. But from what I have seen, and I'm not saying this from my church, but as a church, a whole church, as far as us, the people in this movement, uh, maybe even in this specific denomination, I have seen specific attitudes towards youth. And I'm sure you have as well have seen this maybe from other other people outside of, of youth ministry or uh, maybe in uh, different generations. But I really wanted to to talk about how um, there is sometimes this attitude of looking down in society on the youth. You know, maybe, mm. maybe it's thinking that the typical stereotype mindset, they can't do enough or they're not powerful enough. I wanted to just talk about that if we can. How can we push past that stereotype that we, we usually find in society where people say that young people um, don't have a voice? How can we empower them? I'm going to answer that question in two parts. Uh, first, to focus on the way that the church sometimes views young people. Mm-hmm. It is not out of out of a place of, of meanness or maliciousness. It's out of a lack of understanding. A lot of us, we don't understand the, our, the youth of today because this generation is so different from any generation that's come before them. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've lived through many generations of young people, and I will say that the one the ones that occupy my youth group right now are 
I don't understand them. And I'm not that far removed from them. It wasn't that long ago where I was a part of the youth group. But the things that are important to them and the things that populate their their culture is so foreign to even me. I can't imagine what it's like to be 20, 30 years older than me and not understand this generation at all. And what we don't understand, we fear, we mistrust, we're suspicious of. So you have a generation of parents, elders, and even church leaders that are afraid that they won't be able to break through to the most important generation that has ever lived. And of course, that lack of understanding leads to suspicion, suspicion of of social media, suspicion of uh, our students' motivations and what they want and what they're passionate about, a, a general lack of trust because they don't understand, because they are afraid. And conversely, society looks down on young people because hell knows how fragile their confidence is. Mm -hmm. And hell knows if it can make them doubt themselves, make them feel inadequate or worthless or powerless or unable to accomplish what they're supposed to, it knows it can rob them of their authority in a world that so desperately needs young people with apostolic authority. What we have to remind ourselves as the church is that different is not bad. John the Baptist was different. King Josiah was different. Jesus was different. And it was how different and non-traditional they were that drew people. It's what made them so magnetic. They were fanatical. And that's what got people there. But it was the message. It was the spirit that kept them. The fact that our young people are different should be something that we celebrate because it means that we are going to be able to reach a group of people, a type of people that we've never been able to reach before because all of a sudden we have a generation that understands them in a way we never have before. I think that it's important that our young people are different because they're going to shake things up. They're going to do things differently than we've ever done them before. And as leaders, it's our job to figure out how to engage them. It's, you know, I can't look at a 16-year-old and say, connect with me. That's not their job. They don't have the experience I have. They don't have the walk with God that I have or the relationship that I have. It's my job to look at that student or even that young hyphen, that, that 20, 25-year-old and say, how can I communicate with you on a level that you understand? How can I reach you? Mm-hmm. For instance, um, in my own youth group, uh, traditional youth services did not work for my young people. We will have them on a quarterly basis, but it... it was not connecting in the way that I knew it needed to connect because a lot of our students are newer. They didn't grow up in church. They're from bus ministry or their parents don't come, but they come and they don't know how to worship. They they don't know how to communicate, much less how to worship and worship freely. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to pour everything I have into our midweek and Sunday services they come to, and I will teach them worship in that format, when the word's going forth, when I know God is moving, and when I have other people, elders and church leaders there to help me and back me up, we are unified in teaching them how to behave in a worship atmosphere. But how can I connect with them on a personal level? And I thought, what did Jesus do? I I, I went back to the ministry of Jesus, and I said, it wasn't the services, it was the coming into their homes and the breaking bread with them. So I went to my kids. That's what I'm going to call them. I'm going to call my kids. They're not, you know, half of them are in their 20s, but I call them my kids. And I said, what do you guys want to do? Like, if we did a youth thing, like, what do you want to do? And they didn't want to go bowling. They didn't want to go play laser tag. They didn't want to go go kart racing. They wanted to come to my house. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, this is all right. It's weird, but okay. And so I cooked dinner. And the first time we did it, I call it family dinner. 
we probably had 30 students in our house of every age and they brought their friends. And then the next time we had more and they brought more of their friends, kids that haven't been to our church in years were coming. Kids that don't go to our church now will come and we call it family dinner and we do it every week. And they just come to my house and we play cards and we play board games Mm -hmm. and we eat dinner together and we talk and we laugh and I cannot get them to go home. They will stay as long as I will let them stay. And I love it. And every time they come in my home, I I know that I'm not just showing them that I care about them and that I love them and that I I, want to know about their day and I want to spend time with them. I'm showing them what it looks like to have a home that's peaceful. I'm showing them what it looks like to have a marriage that that is pure and holy. I'm showing them a lot of what they don't see in their own homes. I'm showing them Christ. I'm showing them Jesus through my home. Because if we don't have God in our homes, then we're not going to have God in our churches. And so I'm starting the way that Jesus started. I'm breaking bread with them and I'm speaking to them in that direct, personal, intimate way. And as a result, I've seen things change in them from their desire to be involved in the church to their their desire to show up and be a part of work days and their worship and, and their ability to pray for each other in the altars. It just... I learned how to connect with them because I went back to the way that Jesus connected. And that's what we have to do as a church. We've got to learn how to connect with them. Yeah. I love that. That's such a beautiful idea and how the Lord placed that on your heart to do that. I think family is really what a lot of youth crave. They crave that family. And I believe Mm -hmm. that's why a lot of youth will have friends who don't treat them right because they still feel like they're part Mm -hmm. of something. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about this when it comes to friendships and how we have to obviously have friends who honor our convictions, but sometimes we make foolish decisions to have friends because we just want to be part of a family. We want to be part of a group. And I think that's so Mm -hmm. amazing that you opened up your home just to minister through being a friend, through being Mm -hmm. there for them. And they see you obviously as someone that they can trust that, that they can go to if they're feeling some sort of way and you Mm -hmm. have opened an opportunity for them to come and have a relationship with you and that trust they can then know when you are teaching about the word, when you are teaching about other things specific to God, they can trust your heart. And Mm. I think that's amazing. And I really encourage those out there who are in youth ministry to try this. If you feel this will work with your group, obviously pray about it, seek the Lord, you know, your kids, and I love how you call them your kids. They're your kids. Um, <laughs> they are. Yeah. And, and I found this too when my husband and I have opened our doors to just having a friend night. We obviously have been married a very long time, 10 years now. And then our, our children are still very young, seven and four. But, but we mm-hmm. have taken a night. And we've done this every couple of months. And we need to do it more. But we have done similar things except – with our, instead of our youth group, we would invite our friends and some of our friends who maybe haven't been in church in a long time. Um, but they, they really are craving that connection. And Mm. I think it's just such, such a great gift to them, but also, um, such a great gift to just the body of Christ, because you're just opening Mm -hmm. up that open door so that they can receive what they need from God and God can Mm -hmm. minister to their heart in a different way. Absolutely. 
So could you please take a minute to speak straight to the young listeners right now before we start recording? I told you that there are some people who listen who are actually in youth groups, maybe even hyphen groups. What would you tell someone who is confused about their faith or unsure how to live it? I, I would speak to that in two parts as well. Um, uncertain of your faith, that that's normal at that age. You're uncertain of everything. That that transition from I think probably about 16 is where we pinpointed it to about 25 is just such an enormous time of transition. And so you really are. You just feel like you're constantly on shaky ground. You you don't know what you want to do next. You're making decisions about about school and careers and even friendships and and ministry choices. And so it is a very uncertain time. And a lot of that time leads to uncertainty in your faith. But I would say in order to solidify yourself, read your Bible. It sounds cliche, but there's a reason that it sounds that way. It's because it's important. Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You're going to remain confused and uncertain if you don't understand and you don't have a knowledge of the person you're supposed to be in relationship with. Think about it like a dating relationship. And I tell my kids this all the time. If you think about the process of dating, you meet someone and you think, I there's something about this person that draws me to them. I want to get to know them more. And that's when the texting starts. And, and it, it's, it's all the time, constantly texting and asking questions, you know, what do you want to do? And, and what are you doing right now? What are your goals? And, and then you move a little bit closer and you get to the talking on the phone, the long conversations about nothing at all, just because you want to be around them. And then you get into the commitment stage The I'm going to date you. I'm going to call you mine and you're going to call me yours because we have made we, we want to be together and then so on and so forth. A relationship with God is no different than that. You, you meet him and, and you want to know more about him because, because there's that longing, that longing to be close to the one who made you. And the Bible says, as a deer panteth ask for the water. And so you want to get to know him. And that's when the long, the prayer time comes and the reading your Bible, because you want to understand more about them. And then the commitment, the, the getting baptized and the receiving the Holy Ghost because you belong to them. You want to have their name. You want to have his name on you. And so I, I'd say that if you're uncertain of your faith, it's because you're uncertain of your relationship with him. And that relationship will only be solidified through praying, through reading your Bible, through getting to know him. You are in a relationship with him, not not your pastor, not your youth pastor, not your, your mom or your dad. You are in a relationship with them. Learn him. Get to know him. There is nothing he wants more than a relationship with you. It's why he created us. Adam was created for relationship. And the reason that they were cast out of the garden is because he broke that relationship. He decided he wanted other things more than he wanted relationship with God. And so if you can accomplish that relationship, you'll never be uncertain of anything ever again because our confidence and our trust is in Jesus. You, you live for God by loving it. It's just that simple. If you love it, if you love your church, if you love the people in your church, if you love your God, you love the presence of God, you love the things of God, everything will flow from that. You will live for him naturally. We don't breathe because we think about breathing. We breathe because it's natural. That's what it should be living for God. It shouldn't occur to you to live any other way because you are so madly in love with it. It doesn't occur to me to not be here when my husband gets home. It doesn't occur to me to spend time away from him. It doesn't occur to me to not be in a relationship with him because I love him. 
because everything that I do is geared towards pleasing him, towards making our marriage whole and safe and sound. And that's, that's where relationship comes from. And so I would just say, if you are uncertain and, and you don't know how to live it, I would say, just learn to love it and learn to love it through loving him. But if I could say something directly to a young person right now, if I could speak to you directly under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I would say you are so unbelievably loved. You are so wonderfully and beautifully made. Everything about you, from the way that you look to the way that you think, you are loved not just by me, and I don't even know you, but you are loved by pastors and pastor's wives. You are loved by people in your church. You are loved by people like JC, who is doing this in order to reach you and show you and, and teach you. And more than that, you are loved by a God who gave everything to make sure that you would have a chance to be with him one day in glory. And I would also say that we are so unbelievably proud of you. Even if you're not doing what you need to be doing right now, even if you're not where you think you need to be right now, we are proud of the fact that you're going to get there. And I believe in you. I have faith in you that you are going to get where you need to get. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are stronger than your mistakes. You're stronger than your past. You're stronger than your flesh. You are incredible. You are loved. And we are proud of you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Shyla, for that. I hope you guys are going to listen to Mama Shyla right now. She just preached <laughs> to your heart. No, seriously, I'm over here just praising God and praying along with you. That was beautiful. And I think right now, this is a message that young people need to hear. And I'm sure we all need it at some point. We need people to just have our backs to believe good things in us. I feel like so many messages out there, whether in the church or out of the church, it's not even about that, but a lot of just these attitudes and mindsets just expect bad things from young people. And I think we have to stop mm -hmm. that. I think we have to lay that down. Yeah. I think we have to kill. That is the mm -hmm. lie from the enemy. Amen. Because when we Amen. read the Bible and we read the life of Jesus and when we read about all of the people that God touched who were young and who just basically lit a fire in their in their towns and in their in the countries and they just went around and, and did the work of the Lord. Age does not matter. It really does not. Mm -hmm. God will use anyone, anyone mm -hmm. to bring forth his truth and his word. And so be encouraged right now. I'm just feeling the Holy Ghost right now. Just be encouraged. Do not mm -hmm. think that you are not good enough because you're not old enough. I don't want mm -hmm. you to think that because that is not truth. That is not truth. And God does have mm -hmm. a plan for your life. And so if nobody else believes in you, just know there's two Puerto Rican chicks over here that believe in you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just share with us how you personally have grown since working with the youth? How has God grown you? I think the, the better question would be, how has God not grown me? I, I feel like I'm not even the same person that I was before I began in youth ministry. I graduated from Bible college um, about three, three years ago. And like I said, it wasn't something that I planned on youth ministry, but it was what my husband was called to. And I, I knew, I knew I was supposed to support him. Um, I'm the worship leader at our church. And so that was really where my mind was focused was on music ministry. And um, we came back and, and we began to invest in the young people and we began to 
like I said, do family dinners and get to know them. And I found myself not just investing in them, but, but loving them in a way that I, I didn't even know I had the capacity to love them. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I feel like they're my children. Um, when, when I lose one of them or when one of them walks away from the faith, I grieve like it's my own child. But um, I, I, I can look back and I can think of turning points. In, in my ministry, turning points when God finally revealed to me that this is this is where I called you to be. This is what I expected of you. This is what I've been training you for all these years. Um, I remember conventions and congresses where I, a few of my students who have grown up in just terrible homes, I can recall a, a specific convention where I, I took one of my students and he came from a, a wonderful mother, but a father that just wasn't present in his life. And he had struggled with that insecurity for so long. And I remember sitting there next to him at this convention, putting my arm around him and just as he, as he wept and just telling him, I, I love you. I am proud of you. And you are going to be a greater man than your father ever was. You're not limited by the lack in your life. And I, I remember him, him turning and laying his head on my lap and just beginning to weep like a child. This was a young, he was probably 17, just weeping like a child because no one had taken the time to look at him and say that. And, and, and I just held him while he cried. And then afterwards, he came to me and he said, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good father. And I felt the Holy Ghost in that moment. And I knew he was absolutely right. He is going to be a good father one day. And he's going to raise amazing young men that will never know the loss and, and the lack of, of love that he felt. And I remember another time um, at, a, at a preview weekend with one of my students trying to get them to heed the call of God and, and go to Bible college where I know they needed to be. And I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm called to to church plant. And I didn't know that. And I wouldn't have known that if, if you hadn't brought me here. And I remember another time when I had a, a young student leave um, him and his sister uh, went to another church, their family was moving. And this was the first time we had lost a young person like this, where we knew they were going to an incredible church, wonderful youth leaders, amazing people. Um, but, but still I was losing one of my kids. And I remember meeting their youth leader about six months later and them asking me, what do I need to know? about these two students, what can you tell me? And in front of this youth leader and her husband and my youth group and strangers that I didn't even know, I just began to cry. And I began to tell her what she needed to know about these young people that I invested in so much in. And I remember going back to my room later on that night, we were at Youth Congress, and I remember sitting there and I just, you know, asking God, what what do you want of me? Is, is this, you know, my heart's broken. What can I give you? Is, is this enough? And I remember God speaking to me and telling me that this, I put you here to love. Just keep loving them. And I will make up for what you give away. You keep loving them. You keep pouring out your time and your effort and even your finances and your love. And I will, I will make up for everything that you pour out. There is no ministry that's harder than youth ministry because the uncertainty of it. Kids are going to walk away. You're going to lose them. They're going to leave the faith. But I believe, I believe in the Holy Ghost that every single student that has walked away will come back. And if it's not two years from now, it could be 10 years. It could be 20 years from now when they have children of their own and they remember what we planted in them.
all those years ago at that incredibly tender age. And they're going to remember and they're going to bring their kids back. I know that God has a plan for each and every one of them. So what I learned is to never lose hope, is to never stop believing in them, and is to never, ever speak anything in their lives but positivity. If I have to correct one of my young people, and I do have to correct them often because they're young people, and because when I was 16, I didn't know anything, and I made a million mistakes, and young people aren't different on that front. And I remember, I will never, ever look at them and correct them without starting saying, I love you, but you disappointed me because I know you're capable of more. That's how I'm going to correct. I'm never going to come at them with negative to the world, giving them enough of that. Their culture and social media and their friends are giving them enough of that. They are not going to get that from me. They are always going to know first and foremost that I love them because that's what I know of my God first and foremost. So I, I think love, I think love is what I've learned to love people past, to judge them, not by their actions, but by their intentions, to look at them and say, I know you did this and it hurt me. And I don't know why you did this, but I know your heart isn't evil. And I know your heart isn't cruel. And I know that you're just trying to figure things out. And I'm going to help you do it every step of the way. Right. That's beautiful. I really appreciate you sharing that. I know it's very vulnerable to share how we have grown, but I think it's important for people to understand that leaders and people who are in charge in the ministry or those of us who are working in the ministry, we're people too. We're all people. Mm -hmm. And I think like mm -hmm. you said, it is about just loving each other and it's about just seeing the best in that person. And like you said, if their motives aren't right, if they've done something intentionally wrong, we can still approach them with love and it's okay mm -hmm. to correct out of love. And I think that mm -hmm. is something that we have to keep in mind is it depends on <laughs> our hearts and our motives and how we approach that. Um, yes. So thank you for that. That's going to help parents. <laughs> That's going to mm -hmm. help anyone who has any authority in a child's life, any influence mm -hmm. in a child's life. That's just such an important principle to remember. I really want to know, what are three things that a young person can do at home that can help solidify their walk with God and keep the truth? I would say um, invest in something. I think one of the biggest fears that uh, church leaders and, and people like us in the ministry fear for our young people is that it feels like they don't care about anything. It feels like they're not invested in anything. You know, they, I, I have um, problems with my young people showing up on time for things. You know, those who are involved in music ministry, I have time. I have problems keeping them consistent in showing up for prayer and, you know, they can show up for the fun things, but sometimes they miss out on those things that are that are more important. And so I would say find something that you can invest in. Find something that you are passionate about and you believe in. You have got to, whether it could be anything, it could be bus ministry, it could be your media ministry, it could be the sound booth, it could be the social media team at your church. I promise you there is something in your church that needs your unique skills and abilities. Find that thing and pour your heart into it. Because like I said, when we get to heaven, it's our kingdom work that is going to matter, not anything else. So find something you believe in and invest in it. Put your heart into it. And then I think the second thing would be connect with someone. Loneliness is a choice. 
And I know our young people struggle with loneliness. They struggle with disconnect because sometimes their most substantial relationships are through a phone. They're through texting and they're through social media, DMs and Snapchat. And although I, I will not discredit that, that is a form of communication. It will not be enough to sustain you. You are going to need to find other ways to connect with someone in person. We all need that human touch. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. And it's not. We need that human connection. If you're lonely, it's because you chose to be lonely. And loneliness is a tool of the enemy. It's a tool to isolate you, to keep you depressed, to keep you from reaching out, to make you feel like you are not good enough to deserve connection. And that is not true. So connect with someone. Connect with someone who will invest in your life positively. I'm not telling you to connect with that person at school that wants nothing more than to drive you away from what makes you better than them, from what makes you stronger than them. People are always going to try to pull you down to their level, and it is your choice whether you let them or not. So connect with good people. Let good people invest in you, people who care about you, people who love you. And I think the most important thing, and this is for, especially for that age from 16 to 25, not saying if you're not in that age, this disqualifies. No. Prepare for transitions. Those ages you are going to constantly feel like the ground beneath you is shifting because like I mentioned before, everything is changing in your life. You need to understand those transitions are coming and be ready for them. And the only way you can be ready for them is by establishing daily habits, routines, consistent mm-hmm. things you do no matter what. That's going to be reading your Bible. It's going to be spending time in devotion. It's going to be something as simple as getting up at a decent time and doing something productive for the day, not going to bed at 2 and 3 a.m. so that you're a zombie the next day. We've got to, and I know that seems like something that only adults should do, but the earlier you establish those routines, I promise you the more successful you will be in life. I want you guys to be successful. I want you to make good jobs and have security, financial security, and good homes and good marriages. I want you to be, to, to be comfortable in your lives. But the only way you're going to do that is if you establish discipline now. Don't do like I did and wait until after Bible college and then you get married and you struggle with the adult things because you didn't have any discipline beforehand. That was a massive setback for me and I don't want it to be for you. Learn from my mistakes. So invest in something important. Invest in kingdom things. Connect with someone who cares about you. And Prepare for transitions by establishing daily routines and consistencies that are, that are important. Yes, amen. I second all of those things. Those are very important to remember. And I'm so thankful that you were able to speak into that and to lay that out so clearly. I think it's just so important. And I know it's very difficult as a young person, like you said, is dealing with transition who's just going through life, everything can seem so overwhelming. So I, I, this is what I do. I try and simplify things in three, like a list of three. What can I do? Three things I can do. It just kind of takes the overwhelm out of a situation. And so that's why I chose three. Um, Cause it's just right. simple, easy bite-sized things. We can kind of break down. We can meditate on, we can pray on, and hopefully we can implement them in our lives. Mm, that's good. Well, Shyla, you have just such a beautiful heart for service, and I just love hearing your heart, your your stories. I love hearing your love for young people, and I just 
I really do appreciate this connection that we've had and, and just you taking the time to speak into the lives of the young people listening. And I wanted to just give you a moment to tell everybody where they can find you and your church on social media and online. You can find my church at CLC Myrtle Beach on Instagram and Christian Life Center of Myrtle Beach on Facebook. And you can find me at Shyla Denae, that's S-H-Y-L-A-D-E-N-A-E on Instagram and Shyla Davis Mitchell on Facebook. And if you're ever in our neck of the woods, we'd love to connect with you. And if not, I'm always available through Instagram and Facebook to connect and encourage and to remind you all, just like I do with my kids, the first and last thing that they always hear from me is that... I'm proud of you and you are enormously loved and we have incredible faith in you. Thank you so much, Shyla, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.